Moto One Podcast Network. What's the most cringe thing you've ever done? Listen to creative writing, bro. Like, this is in it, dude. I also set my penis on fire. And then this one time, this bucket of eggs fell on my head, and I was like, oh my god, never believe this. You're listening to a show hosted by an idiot and a sarcastic robot. That's me. It features the opinions of that idiot and the opinions of guest motorcyclists from a large demographic with a varying array of skills, talent, and knowledge. Any of the words that you hear on this podcast may therefore be very idiotic, unlawful, and incorrect, or perhaps genius and insightful. Either way, they do not reflect the opinions or well-thought-out and completely fair policies of the Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast or any of the podcasts under the Moto One Podcast Network umbrella. Enjoy the show, Fart Tooth. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to Creative Writing, everybody. This is the commemorative. Am I commemorative at this point? This is your host, Junk. Let me turn myself up just a little bit. I can tell I'm a little low on the Richter scale. Wait, why am I peaking now? Really? That's peaking? Huh. I'm going to shut that off. Uh, anyway, hi. Welcome to episode uh, 296. This is the prelude to the California episode. I believe, well, it's my hope that next week we do the California episode or next episode, which should be next week. Excuse me. Uh, how's everybody doing out there? I hope everyone's doing great. We got a, a banger of a show. I've been saying that the last few times and I freaking mean it. And uh, this time I mean it a lot too. We got some interesting news. I'm going to go ahead and plug in. Tobor. Hi, Tobes. How you doing, buddy? Let me plug you in here. Oh, God. I can always hear that. If that blows out my eardrums, I know it must blow out yours. Let me switch over here. All right. So listen, um, and also on this week's show, we got a few emails from listeners. We got a few... Uh, you're going to want to listen till the very end. I'm not going to mention this till the end because it's still... It's still uh, makes my emotions flutter a little bit but we got a we got a banger of a show and we're gonna we're gonna get it started right here listen this week on our show uh i wanted to start off with some events and obviously there's been a lot of stuff happening now that it's uh officially not yet officially summer but writing season ah, it's right in the books um and i wanted to tell you that this coming weekend I'm going to try to release this uh, t tonight. So this coming weekend, it's going to be the one show, the one moto show in Portland, Oregon. Uh, not to be confused with Portland, Oregano, which is a type of green. <laughs> I don't know, Portland, Oregano. That's funny. We, uh, I should make that a dad joke. I, I spent all day telling dad jokes today. I'm over them. Uh, but uh, you don't want to. You don't want to get mixed up with the Portland Oregano. But what you do need to know is the one show is happening there. I think it's happening in the uh, Abernathy uh, Athletic Jockstrap Factory. They always do it in some old abandoned factory. And uh, I think it might be in some old abandoned warehouse this year. Uh, but anyway, it's going to be great. And uh, it says right here on my list, actually, I'm telling you the events, but it says check the Creative Writing homepage. So let me go to the Creative Writing homepage, creative-writing.com. Uh, 
and says, yeah, look at this. Uh, Super Sunday is actually coming up pretty soon here too. Contact me directly if you're interested in attending Killer Super Sunday. It's a fantabulous, somewhat, I don't know, I wouldn't say secretive, but insider baseball uh, sort of um, event. So, yeah, if you're gonna, if you want, want to know when it's happening and where to meet up and all that good, good stuff, contact me directly. You got to be in the LA area anyway, so it's not like I expect a ton of you guys to uh, contact me. But it is gonna be off the chizzy. Now that might sound like something from the '90s that people would say, and it is. Uh, all right, April twenty third. No, that was today. What am I doing? Uh, the one motor show. Oh yeah, May sixth, the Californian. We've been endlessly talking about this. Please stand by for some technical adjustments. Or do I have to redo all of this now? Through the power of editing, I compel you towards to erase that. So I guess I better turn myself up, which, uh, where am I going? Right here? Yeah, right here. Okay. Uh, it is the Californian. Put on by our own sweet talker Brady Walker uh, of uh, Classic Track Day and Willow Springs Grand Prix fame, which we're going to be talking about a little bit today. Um, and this is the uh, Concorde Elegant. If you know what the, it's happening the same day as the Quail, I believe. And if you know anything about the Quail or anything like the La Jolla Concorde Elegant that happened today down in uh, San Diego, you'll know exactly what type of event we're talking about here. This is going to be the best of the best show bikes. This is going to be uh, a lot of um, very, very rare classic uh, race bikes, you know, dirt bikes, uh, rock-ons, things like that. You're going to love this event. It's happening at Santa Anita Park. Another reason you're going to love it is it's the Derby Day. So it's Derby at the Derby. Uh, Brady Walker is bringing back the Pine Car Derby, Pine Box Derby, Ah, Pine Box. Why do I say Pine Box? I don't think it's Pine Box Derby, but it could be. Um, But the Pine Derby, he's bringing it back, uh, and it's Kentucky Derby Day, thus Derby at the Derby. He just had an event today at the Bike Shed down in uh, L.A. Not to be confused with the Bike Shed in London. I know they're both very close. They're like on the same street, so it's very hard to... uh, I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so yeah, he just had a, an event down at the bike shed today doing race car prep where you could buy like a little kit for like five bucks, you know, spruce it up. It is going to be all out fabulous. The Derby was one of my most favorite things about the last Californian. Uh, and the design and racing was off the shelf. I've never seen anything like it. It's pretty, oh, I did actually. I, I was a, 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 a scout leader for a little bit. So I saw plenty of pine box, pine car racing, pine derbies, pine derbies, that's what they're called. I saw plenty of pine derby uh, shenanigans, but yeah, this is going to be uh, off the off the chart. So I cannot wait for this year's Derby at the Derby. May 6th, the Californian Santa Anita Raceway Park at Santa Anita Park in Arcadia, California, home of the ponies and the thoroughbreds. I don't know why I said that, uh, although several of them do live there. And if you're in any of the local watering holes right around that track, you're likely to see, <sighs> excuse me, 
a bunch of uh, jockeys there and probably a few Ferraris. So let me know. Uh, April, whoops, we're out of April. May 19th and 20th, the Hanford Cycle Show and Swap Meet at the Kings County Fairgrounds in, somewhere in Central California, Kings County. I don't know, check it out. Look up Kings County Fairgrounds on your local, uh, uh, f- your favorite map uh, app. And that's going to be the May 19th and 20th, which is, I think, before... But that's before Memorial Day? I cannot remember. I think it's before Memorial Day. Um, The weekend before. Uh, May 21st, there's going to be Speedway, Sidecars, and a Vintage Bike Show at Costa Mesa Speedway, which is at the uh, Costa Mesa... I think it's at the Orange County Fairplex is what that's called. Costa Mesa Speedway is inside there. Uh, June 17th, this is another returning show to L.A. Uh, the Women's Moto Show, number eight, happened in Auto Conduct in L.A. I've never heard of Auto Conduct, and I live here in L.A. area, so there you go. Uh, the Women's Moto Show, last one I went to, I believe, was 2018. 2019 totally rained, and I thought they were going to cancel it. But they went ahead and did it, and it like stopped raining just for the show, so I missed out. 2020, obviously, we know what happened with that. Actually, no, listen, 2020, I went to that one. That's right. That one was at the uh, House of Machines down in L.A., which is no longer, thanks to COVID. Uh, but, yeah, that's right. I did. I went to the 2021, and that night, or like that next day, the world shut down for a couple of years. So the motor show wasn't around in L.A. It was wherever it could be had, and I think 21... It skipped. So I think 22 was at Texas Auto Speedway or something like that. And now uh, 23, it's coming back here to Auto Conduct in L.A. This is going to be very exciting. If you go over to the women, uh, check out motolady.com. Look up the Women's Moto Show on any of the uh, social medias, and they'll lead you to a website where you can uh, register your bike or like apply to be you know, a uh, uh, show there. And... Oh boy, both the the Californian and the Women's Motor Show. I don't want to spill the beans just yet because I I haven't 100% committed to it, but I'd like to have bikes at both of these. How the Women's Motor Show, you ask? I have an ace up my sleeve, my good friends. Um, I almost said ace in the hole, but I'm not even sure what that's a euphemism for. Uh, August 13th and 14th, Sturgis number 83 is happening. 13th and 14th. I meant third through the 14th. Sturgis number 83 is happening in Sturgis, South Dakota. On our show today, you'll hear a little bit about um, Sturgis West Coast. Sure, they're having born freeze everywhere and... and, uh, Flat out Fridays everywhere. Why can't we have a Sturgis everywhere? You're gonna hear about Sturgis uh, number one that happened up here in Central Central uh, Valley, right on the other side of LA. Uh, August 10th, the Super Hooligan slash Knobby Night is happening at Costa Mesa Speedway again down in Costa Mesa, California. Orange County Fairgrounds is what I believe that uh, venue is called. Um, and yeah, for anything else, I'm going to try to be updating the uh, creative writing website a little bit more often, but if you have any events going on and I don't happen to like look up what local ones are happening on the, the show this week, but you really want to promo yours or like somebody that we're going to talk about in a little bit, you think that you have a, a bike show everyone should know about because your bike's in it, hit up the sh- hit us up, email podcast at gmail.com and, uh, yeah, send us your event and the date and where it's going to be. 
and uh, or just the event and the date, and I'll try to make up a location where I think it sounds like it's going to be. That ought to be fun. But anyways, yeah. So all these all these fun things happen in the summer, and I know I'm missing like a bajillion of them. There's got to be something going on where you are. Send it in, fool. All right. With that, let's take a quick break. Get into segment number two, which is non-newsworthy events. I'm gonna I'm gonna grab a sip of probably beer, even though that's making me fall asleep right now. I have to admit, every time I drink beer, I get slipsy, very sleepy. So I'm gonna I think I'm gonna grab another beer, and if I don't have beer, I'll drink whatever is in this cup over here. It could be acetone for all I know. Be right back. You gotta get yourself moving. You ride that train to the end of the line. All right, everybody. This is the I actually it was beer that I had as as well. So whew, great. I'm gonna be falling asleep by the end of this show. Uh, let's get into some not worth the news. Five unnewsworthy headlines. I'm re-recording this bit because I accidentally recorded over a little bit of an interview later. So I apologize. It's partially due to the beer. <laughs> so this is beer uh, number two. I hope. Uh, Oh, by the way, we'll wake up in the morning. But, uh, yeah. Anyways, here we go. Let's go in uh, reverse order. You know how this works. Uh, five, four, three, two, one. Uh, even though I numbered them one, two, three, four, five. Uh, headline number five, not newsworthy one damn bit, is uh, new mid-sized 2023 Honda CB motorcycles launch. Woo! You got that right. You heard this. This is coming to us straight from the man, Mike himself, Michael Lepard, over at TotalMotorcycle.com. The uh, yeah, the new midsize 2023 Honda CB motorcycles have launched. Uh, they are roughly coming in under 3K. I believe the list prices here uh, are. He's got them in Indian prices, but he translated them to. Freedom units and not Canadian units, I think. Let me see. I think they come in under three grand. And um, and basically, so that's great, right? And also, it's a UJM. And if you, know, if you don't know what a UJM is, use your podcast app that you're in and search Creative Writing Library, however the hell you do that. I'm not... I'm not your tech guru. You figure out how to do this. But uh, anyway, you can search it. And we talk about UJMs. They're, they're a universal <clears throat> Japanese motorcycles. And they are basically what started the uh, motorcycle craze. Here they are. Here's the prices right at the very fucking top. What an idiot I am. Uh, uh, $25.59 and $26.19 US dollars. So well below 3 k uh, probably around 3k once you get through with all the licensing and all that bullshit and all the fees to get out the door. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the CB350RS and the CB350Hness. Okay, I've said that. Obviously, half of you have tuned out by now. It's fine. And the reason that this is so bittersweet to me is this: this first, uh, this first line here in the article tells me a lot about this. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you these are only coming to the Indian or Asian market. I don't even know if they're going to Asia minor. I don't know how far West they come. We're definitely going to get them in North America. Doubtful. They're going to get them in Western Europe. 
I don't even know what countries, maybe they get them in Eastern Europe, but it says that they're for the Indian market. So I don't even know if anybody outside of India is actually going to get them because India, like the rest of the world, has its own like Honda motorcycle uh, division, just like North America does, just like, you know, even Atlas Honda, which does the rest of uh, Asia, Pakistan, all that fun stuff. So India only is getting these things. And now what's the great thing is that they're like, my Honda, my way, or something like that. That's their slogan for these things. And these are the true UJM looking motorcycles, which means you snap, slap a fairing on it, a bikini fairing and some clip-ons, and you got a cafe racer, maybe a little, you know, tail hump. You you can customize this thing and make it yours. You slap uh, an, a big old fairing on the front, and or just a number plate on the front and the sides, and you got what looks like a super bike from the 70s. I mean, that's like when the uh, 70s and 80s, when they just threw number plates on these 750s coming out of the uh, factory with minimal fairings on them. Uh, that's what started super bikes. You throw some knobby tires on this thing and maybe some moto bars and maybe, what else? I don't know, uh, an engine guard. And you got a scrambler, you know what I'm saying? Like this is what the UJM was. It was the universal Japanese motorcycle. Even Harleys and Triumphs looked like UJMs. I mean, that's what UJM was copying was that standard motorcycle look. Both of these look like standard motorbikes. They got some pretty sick... Uh, you know, colorways and, and, and body, you know, just really vintage look body, uh, you know, what am I looking for? Uh, what, what word am I looking for? Body, uh, I don't know, accoutrement. That's not the word I'm looking for. That's not even a real word. Uh, but anyways, so the, the, this is the, uh, right here, this first sentence, let me go back up to the very top. So Michael writes that I started on a 1980 Honda CB400T and my wife on a 1981 Honda CB400T. The smaller 250cc to 500cc make a great go-anywhere rider-friendly bikes. Right there in that one sentence, it's beauty, but it's also um, bittersweet because that is, is the author's way of saying, I remember when gas was a nickel. That's the one thing that makes this totally sad for me is that these, well, first of all, these bikes aren't coming to this market. And secondly, good for them because they wouldn't sell here. Honda just came out with the new ADV 150, which looks super awesome. And I doubt they're going to sell more than 500 of them. I could be totally wrong. And they could be the next uh, Grom, for all I know, the ADV Grom. But if you really want to jump an ADV bike and do like, dirt stuff on an ADV bike. You want a small one like this 150. However, if you want to go on the freeway, forget about it, right? So we are a freeway country. These smaller bikes now when you're going to get killed doing less than 80 miles an hour when you can, uh, you're, you know, and 60 mile an hour. Like I go, I go, I regularly go 50 and 60 on my local boulevards, which are probably 35 and 40, uh, just keeping up with traffic, right? So these smaller bikes do have a place in the world, Michael, and it's in the memories of old people uh, like you and I. So I don't think this uh, these bikes are going to revolutionize anything, at least not in this market, but let's see how they do in a couple of years in uh, India. Um Headline number four, Yamaha introduces new recycled material for bodywork. I got to kind of blast through this one real quick. So this is coming to us from Power Sports Business. Yes, Yamaha introduces new recycled material for motorcycle bodywork. Now, 
Yamaha Motor announced uh, a while, you, if you remember like two or three episodes ago, we talked about their green aluminum, which was, as a, it was around St. Patty's Day, so it must have been last month, that green aluminum is just a greener, less carbon-intensive uh, way of manufacturing aluminum up the supply chain. So they're thinking outside the box when it comes to reducing carbon emissions. They're thinking up and down the supply chain, not necessarily what's coming out of the tailpipe of the vehicle. So that's a good way because if, if, if you remember also right around that same time, we, did a, uh, we had a headline about um, uh, EVs, like electric vehicles, automobiles, and how they are getting in crashes. And they don't even realize their carbon uh, uh, offset because they are super carbon heavy to manufacture, and the only way they really become carbon neutral is by uh, not using um, gasoline, basically, and not emitting anything through their life cycle. So you, it, they cost a, a way more to manufacture. Uh, their carbon footprint's way bigger in that stage than than so uh, an a regular um, ICE vehicle. So Yamaha's trying to think of all this, and they're putting all this stuff. They made this high quality, environmentally friendly polypropylene. It's going to be used on their power sports vehicles in the Asian markets and not just Asian, A-S-I-A-N, but A-S-E-A-N, which I think is the Association of Southeastern Asian uh, Network or so- Networks or something like that. It's basically like the whole Asia trading block. Um, and so that's that whole market. So that means it's not just going to be, it's going to be, you know, possibly Japan, China, uh, Malaysia, Indonesia, Thailand, all those fun places that have a lot of, um, uh, scooters. Um, it says it's an eco-friendly polypropylene made from pre-consumer materials, which I thought is better to be post-consumer. Like that means you're recycling stuff and using it. But anyways, that's not my place to judge. Uh, but anyways, it says it doesn't contain hazardous substances, um, that I guess regular plastics have and regular plastics are stuff like ABS. They don't make stuff out of, you know, there's actually, this is an interesting thing. We should cover this, uh, in the future is, um, bamboo. They use a lot of bamboo and hemp in the automotive design nowadays. Um, but let's keep moving on. We got to get down to the next headline. The next headline is number three, which is, um, five, four, three. Yep. Kawasaki celebrates Earth Day 2023 with the new solar powered world superbike hospitality. Yes. Oh my God. And if you go to, here it is right here. Um, this is on visor. Yeah. Visordown.com. And if you go there, the first pick you see is a sweet Kawasaki world Superbike doing a wheelie, like uh, not a total wheelie, but they're coming out of a corner. They're doing at least a couple inches off the ground. This thing's powerful. What the hell? What gives? But then you read that last word and you're like, oh, the world superbike hospitality. Oh, and then your dreams get smashed against the rocks. This is why this is not headline worthy news partially because of this a it's their hospitality is is what's a solar powered so they got solar units that charging up a battery and this thing gets charged up as they're driving it all over europe so it doesn't even go to the flyaway rounds um but i guess on all the european rounds this thing works right off the uh solar energy that it stores in batteries while it's being transit 
uh, transported. So yay, and while it's just sitting in between races. Uh, they give us a bunch of figures of how many emissions per year it'll save. Who gives a sh- total shit about that? Unless you're Ill- interested in learning about kilowatts per carbon, uh, per, per CO2 emission pound, blah, 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 blah. And you're a total nerd. We'll get into that in a separate episode if you really want to nerd out on that. But for right now, all you need to know is that they hope that it helps each track save a little bit of money. Hey, that'd be nice. The track saves a little bit of money on uh, production costs of the race. And I don't know. That's basically it. The other thing is that uh, it doesn't go to the flyaway rounds and people have been doing shit like this for like a hundred years. I mean, windmills used to do the same thing. I think people have been using windmills to make power and solar panels to make power for going on 50 years. So it's about time a multi-billion dollar company gets on board with doing this crap. I mean, we've been talking about global warming since the 70s and 80s when Earth Day was created back in 1972, I think it was, right? So yeah, bro, you guys could have stepped it up. You want me to clap for you, but you could have started this decades ago. So this is really not newsworthy. Uh, Excuse me. Let's move on to number two. The uh, 2024 Harley-Davidson CVO Road Glide 121 gets revealed. This comes to us from Cycle World. Uh, and actually, it came to us a little earlier, and I'm not sure who from because it was a leak, I believe. Uh, they showed this Road Glide CVO plus, or I'm sorry, the Street Glide CVO plus, I believe, a Road Glide CVO on a lift in some factory, which may have been may or may not have been in the u.s uh but these bikes look pretty crazy i need to take a sip of this beer i'll be right back and then we'll talk more about it boy not only is it a bad idea to hydrate with beer it's downright not a good idea so ruminate on that for a little bit so listen uh this harley davidson cvo first thing i noticed and a co-worker and i were talking about this the this thing looks fucking fantastic clap 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 to harley i'm clapping right now for a harley listen this is the 2024 supposedly version gonna my my coworker was like hey it's supposed to debut later this year and i said that's how all fucking motorcycles work dude like you it, uh, when's the last time an automobile came out in the year that it was manufactured no you start manufacturing them in July of 22 for the 23 model year. Of course, it's going to be a 24. They already released a 23 Road Glide CVO. So this thing looks amazing. It's uh, like I said before. They were this one picture was leaked uh, like back in I don't know January or some shit like that. Maybe even <clears throat> earlier than that. I cannot remember, but uh, I do know that this bike looks. Fan freaking tastic! Now I didn't like the, I believe it was a road glide that they were showing. Uh, I didn't like it as much. The headlights look super weird on it. Um, although they do replace a lot of the stuff that I guess falls out of the current one. Uh, but this new CVO Street Glide looks ba. It looks like it could be bagger racing material. And I'm not 100% sure if they race street glides or mostly road glides. I mean, everything I've seen on King of the Baggers has been a road glide, and I'm not sure if it's because of the fairing. So this new street glide and road glide, for that matter, uh, on those other leaked uh, uh, pictures that I saw, has new front bodywork, and it's flipping amazing. And not only does it have new front bodywork, it has new side bodywork, new rear bodywork. It could be all on the same platform. They might have not changed anything about it except for the bodywork, and it would still be 
Ah, superb. Uh, this is the first Harley Davidson bagger that I actually like. Uh, there are, they have a, uh, the cycle world article has it in, uh, in right above the picture of the current, um, street, street glide. And then the current street, this looks like a piece of hot garbage compared to this, this new one. Um, it still has that low crash bar, uh, the like mustache, mustache guard rather than the huge crash bar that the old ones had. The wheels look pretty cool. They look like cross spoke wheels, which I think the current ST had like cast wheels that look like spokes. This new one looks like they have spokes and that doesn't matter. I mean, that doesn't matter any percent. Um, what matters is the bodywork on this thing. The front fender, uh, did it get reworked? I mean, it could have. Oh yeah, it's not as round. It's very angular. This is like, if you were a fan of the Ford Mustang when it went from that '90s round body style, like it went from an '80s boxy kind of square body style to a '90s round kind of organic, weird, flowy body style, back to a very angular one right at the beginning of the 2000s, and it and I think it stayed angular after that. This is what's happening. Harley Davidson is getting away from the old, weird, swoopy. Uh, you know, rudimentary, in my opinion, uh, body. That's not even a real word. I just made that one up, but you run with that if you want. Um, they're getting away with a lot of the design aspects that kept this old one, including, including the bat wing fairing that has been extant since like 1969, unchanged. They're getting rid of all that crap. Now, it still has a bat wing style fairing, but it's got like some spoiler elements. It's very angular. It's cut different. The top does not have this doofy looking wind, windscreen that every um, Batwing fairing has had since 1969. You can use the same bolt holes to put a six inch, three inch, six inch, nine inch, a hundred inch windscreen on there or windshield on there, I should say. Uh, no, this new one is totally redesigned. It has a very modern BMW-ish looking look to it where it has, it looks like the windscreen might move up and down with uh, adjust, be, uh, be adjustable, maybe even on the fly. The fairing skirt, which used to really just be like a little flat panel that covered up the clumsy looking forks right below the fairing. This new one appears to be boxed in like underneath even it covers the underside of the triple trees which i don't know if that was important or not on the last ones you just you probably had to take the skirt off to get this uh head tube you know get access to the the uh lower triple on this one but you didn't on the last one but big deal you know what i'm saying like it looks bitching and it has wind deflectors out on the side uh the saddlebags they look different. Like this thing looks like it cuts through the air different. And I'm, I'm, I just imagine, especially with that 121, which I think is the last one was 117. Looks like they're stepping it up and uh, getting a lot more. Um, I don't know, just crazy with it. Harley Davidson's finally stepping out of their the shadow of themselves. I'm really, really proud of this bike. And uh, uh, I don't even like Harley Davidson's all that much. Um, it says it looks like BMW's cross, uh, oh yeah, it looks like BMW's cross spoke wheels on the R1200 GS. And I agree, except that it's way better looking. Like this whole bike just screams beauty. The seat is a lot more fluffier. If you look at the current ST or any of the current actually Harleys for that matter, especially with the solo saddle, it looks so small. I'm sure maybe it feels great on your butt, but this one looks big and puffy for all you skinny kids with no ass. The needs to ride these things. 
it's got plenty of cushion. It looks like so this whole whole deal right now, the way they mounted the the uh, the fuel cap mounts in the center of the console now, so that the the current one mounts on the side of the console. And I guess sometimes it's hard to fill it up without tilting your handlebars a certain way. So this one's right in the center, like sport bikes, like everything a bit. Like they just thought about this one when they made it, and it looks great. First Harley bagger I've ever really liked the look of. I like the way the back. Uh, Bodywork kind of flips up, kind of inverts like a like an inverted bob. Um, kind of reminds me of some old Mercs and stuff like that. Like I don't know this this whole bike that I'm looking at looks amazing. I can't wait for you guys to see it. Let's get on. We're we're gonna be 45 minutes in, and I just spent time on this one. So listen, let's keep it on the Harley Davidson train. The number one unnewsworthy headline. We shouldn't even care about this. It's such crap. And this is coming to us from Motorcycle.com. This is a 2023 Harley-Davidson X500 first look. Yeah, so they took a little peek here at this Harley-Davidson from QJ Motors. This is a partnership with Harley-Davidson and QJ. And this is basically the Leoncino 500. And it's uh, just rebadged with Harley crap all over it. And it really looks about 400 times as trashy as the Leoncino 500. They should have kept the Benelli Leoncino's headlight. They should have kept the uh, the rear end. Like Harley Davidson really needs to step away from this f rear fender because the fender looks pretty legit like an old Sportster fender or an old Softail fender. But Harley Davidson needs to step away from this weird fender strut with the fender bolted to it style fenders. They could have done so much with this bike. And the Benelli Lanchino just rebadging that as a Harley, like, holy crap. They made the, the tank looks very awkward because it doesn't look like a peanut tank. It looks like they adapted this big fat, actually, you know, twice the, the gallonage of a, uh, of a Sportster peanut tank into this tank. This probably looks like it's about three gallons versus the 1.7 regular Sportster tank. But once you start looking at this bike and you're like, oh, yeah, the Lanchino looked fine. It actually looks sporty and cool like a baby FTR. Why didn't Harley-Davidson keep that for the stupid X500 instead of trying to put it like a Sportster fender with the dumb bullet turn signals on it? Oh, yeah, and that's something else I forgot to mention. On that Harley-Davidson CVO Street Glide, no more bullet turn signals. No more bullets on these uh, Harleys. But uh, but anyway, this one's not newsworthy, A, again, because it's not really coming to the States. A, I've heard that the X350 or the X500 may come here to the States for testing and training purposes where they're going to use that in place of their Buell Blast, but then they're just going to crush them as soon as they hit their life cycle. They don't want anybody getting these out. They don't want Chinese uh, metal with their Harley-Davidson name on it. So uh, it was one thing for the uh, Aramaki stuff because it was Italy, but China, they do not want that stuff on there. Even though the bike looks good, the bikes look very quality, I have to admit. However, you know, I know Harley-Davidson shedding a little tear over this one, and that's unnewsworthy news, baby boy. Let's get out of here. Uh, take a quick break. We'll be back with some more creative writing. Or will we? You, you be the judge. Hey, everybody. This is Nathan Flats from Flats Tires, reminding you to come on down and get everything you need for your bike. We've got tires. They're round. They're made of rubber. And we supply everything you need, including valve stems. The only thing you need to supply is the air. 
That's right. Come down to Flats Tires. We're on the corner of State Street and First down in Epperton. For over 131 years and several months, Clodman's has been supplying quality pickles to motorcyclists the world over. Legendary icons such as Sylvester Roper, Oscar Hedstrom, William Harley, Betsy Stringfield, Frank Willoughby Cotton, Evil Knievel, Nikki Hayden, and Sachiro Honda have all quenched their desires for a thick, juicy pickle sliding across their greasy, willing lips with none other than a fine specimen from Clopman's. Join the Hall of Fame, win your first race, impress the judges, put a Clopman's in your mouth, and a championship trophy on your shelf. Clopman's, not for dreamers, for doers. Clopman's, the only pickle for motorcyclists. posting a story I'm just changing the song i'm just no when it comes to distracted driving just don't sending a text takes your eyes off the road for just five seconds but in that time your car can travel the length of an entire football field any distracted driving just isn't worth it visit stoptextsstoprex.org a message brought to you by the national highway traffic safety administration project yellow light and the ad council I'm not the mood. All right. Welcome back to your favorite, favorite motorcycle show in the world. I'm just taking a guess in the shot in the dark here. This is Creative Writing, and this is Junk, and I'm back here again where I was just five or ten minutes ago. <laughs> As you can tell, this is maybe a pre-recorded set. Um, yeah, to, on this week's show, we would be remiss uh, if we didn't talk about uh, the last weekend that we had out there at the fabulous Willow Springs Grand Prix out at the Classic Track Day, uh, you know, Motorcycle Festival of Speed. It was freaking awesome. I took my little peanut here with me. Hi. Yeah, hi. Um, and we had a hell of a weekend, I will say. Like, it was, we were only there for the one day, but according to the uh, our friends that were there racing, we should have gone both days because it was crazy. Uh, Saturday night and not like, you know, of course, if, it, if Brady's putting it on, it's family friendly, sort of crazy, but it's still crazy. It was sounded pretty awesome. Uh, so I'm going to, I got, I got my, my, you know, someone way smarter than me here with me in the studio tonight. And we're going to talk a little bit about, we're just going to give you a taste of the, the racing action. Now, but before we even get into this, I got to preface this and say that, no, we're not going to bring you some uh, racing results. And no, we're not going to bring you, you know, trackside action or interviews. Maybe we will. <laughs> but we are going to tell you what we thought about the race and the people there and the track and all that fun stuff. So... Tiwi, this was your. Why are you smiling? Are you remembering how fun it was? Or are you just what? What are you? Friend. Oh God, yeah. So first things first, we get to the track. Uh, right as racing is starting, I think we got there. Uh, like right after, probably like the first or so race. No, I think we pulled up during. Oh yeah, probably after the first race. We missed. Uh, it was supposed to start at twelve, and we got there at like twelve ten. We got there like right. Like, we watched to the end of the race before the sidecars. Yeah. So we missed the, like, Iron Man 
race that they did, which w- and the relays and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. I think they might have started a little bit before noon, even though the the flyer said before noon, so or said noon. So we really wanted to get there right at noon, um, and we did. We pulled into the gates and got parked at like twelve ten or something like that. Um, First impressions of the track. I've been there a few times, so I'm going to let you say it. Drive like everything from driving out there to pulling up to it. What were you expecting, and what did you see? Um, I wasn't expecting like something, anything crazy. Um, what I saw, I thought it was kind of like a like a simpler track, but then uh, I was like, it, sorry, I just wanted to move that right into your face. <laughs> it was like pointed out to me that like. It actually is like really far. Like it's not. So it was like turn. Like I don't, I don't know the turns. I'm, yeah. I don't know racing the terms, but like, um, right on like there's like a flat part and then it like turns left and I didn't know that the left turn was there. I just like the like went behind like the mountain or something. That right. Curved up. But then I'm like, where where are they going? Yeah. <laughs> Get back here. They, they like disappear. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so Willow Springs, um, to me, uh, some people say, uh, you know, w- some all sorts of people have ideas of what the shape is. I've heard it described as a rabbit. What did you see? A fish. A fish, yeah. And see, I see a rabbit. And what you're talking about is the rabbit's ear. Yeah, you come down the front straight and you make a, you hang not quite a 90 degree left, but a pretty sharp left. And you go out into no man's land, and from the grandstands, you just kind of disappear, and it looks like you're riding off into the sunset. <laughs> and then uh, they loop back around, and you see them. It's a couple seconds, and you see them coming back up toward the Omega and stuff. But there is a huge carousel that you have to go around. It's a huge um, right-hand turn if you're going um, counterclockwise, which is, I think, how they are actually clockwise. Um, which is, I think, how they race it most of the time. But yeah, so, and what did you think of the size of the track and how there's like four other tracks around it? What did you think of all that? Yeah. You like, yeah, is that, is yeah good or bad? Yes. Yeah. And immediately upon walking up to the pit wall, okay, so, so tell me about this. What do you think about like the parking and the amenities? I know you didn't really get to see the bathrooms, but there's showers there. There's like, if you have a motorhome, if you have a motorhome, you could be living it up because there's actual showers with nice hot water there. There's a restaurant that you got to see. A there. restaurant? Oh yeah. Well, that little yeah, that little diner, um, a gift shop, and the two announcing tower, two two towers, a bunch of grandstands. So I mean, there's there's quite a bit of stuff there that I don't know if people assume is going to be there or not. Um, but the actual track, like, what did you think of that? It was cool. Yeah. Yeah. The, what do you think of all the hills? Like, okay. Cause here's what I describe it to people. It's always brown out there and it's always, but it's magical looking, even though, even though it's usually just dusty and tumbleweeds, it's still, you're in this flat Valley. You're in the, the antelope Valley, which was like in the fifties was like the space central, you know, they were going crazy building rockets and spaceships and stuff out there. I don't know where that's moved to, but Edwards Air Force Base is kind of nearby there as well. And so that was the tech center back in the 50s and and 60s until we got to the moon on 69 or whatever it was. And now I think it's moved uh, to somewhere else. But you're just out there in this desert valley and these hills rise up out of it. And every time I've ever been there, it's always been kind of brown. 
This time it was crazy green. Like the hills were green. They weren't they weren't like dark green, nothing but nothing but greenery and grass, but they were greener than normal. You should normally you should see it normally. But we saw driving on the, the main road out there, all those yellow flowers in the field. Yeah, yeah, okay. So like on the drive out there, it was just like a bunch of like uh green like bushes and then we drove past this like one like section. It wasn't quite like a block because the road was just like really Dude, that, that that road was just like three miles of nothing. <laughs> yeah. Um but it was like you just like went past the house and then it was just like so many like yellow flowers and then they had like the occasional like tall bush that would poke through it and it just looked like yeah. really, really cool. Yeah. You said uh, your words were, it's like an ocean of yellow. And I was like, yeah. And each one of those bushes po- popping through was like this little island. It's the most colorful I've ever seen that part of the desert. And um, then we drive in, we park, um, and we get to walk around a little bit. And the first thing you see is what? What's the first thing? Before you, we, we walk right up to the, to the closest wall. We're, we're like walking right up, you know, 50 feet from the track is, is about how close you can get. And what did you see? A dog. Yeah. <laughs> so my little my little bean over here, she can sniff out dogs a mile away. And if there's a dog in the vicinity, uh, she'll find it. And I swear to God, we're walking over there, and we, we were looking at motorcycles, and we were making sure we were staying. We're, we're, you're walking through the hot pits, basically. And I was say, you know, we're like, hey, look out for motorcycles. And she was totally looking out for motorcycles. And I think I swear I saw her feet just levitate and start to drift toward this dog before she even knew it was there. And then she looked over and petted it. And I don't know what it was. It looked like an Irish setter. But what did the um, woman say about it? That it was like a child's therapy dog. Yeah. So it was really good with kids. And boy, and, and it's used to kids rubbing on it. And so I don't know. How long would you say you sat there petting the dog? I don't know how long we were there. The, yeah. I just did it the whole time. The whole time. I would say that race was a good 20 minutes long. Because <laughs> <laughs> you petted the whole race and then some. And then they were going to go meet their friends. So they had a bail. And we walked around. You got to meet quite a few people there. Um, what's the very, we, uh, when we finally found Brady and Caroline, who are the, the hosts of this, uh, this event, what's the first thing Caroline said to you? Do you remember? She apologizes for you. Yeah. She said, I'm sorry about your dad. And I thought that was, mm, that's a perfect intro <laughs> to, of you to this lifestyle where I always brag to you that people love me and think I'm a, I'm a revered, but, um, Apparently, I'm overselling myself a little bit. Yeah, yeah. By the look on your face, I can see you're not buying it. But yeah, we got to meet um, and hang out with some of the peeps there, and you got to see the bikes out of all. And then when they were racing, we had our friends Carrie and Pat, who are married, and then Caroline and Brady, who are married, and we got to see them all four racing in that same race. And uh, that was pretty cool. Just just walking up, just having met all of our friends, and then immediately they go out and race. That was that was pretty cool. And we got to see the track from a few different vantage points. So we watched track from literally the pits with friend. We also watched from the main grandstand at the end of the straights. We also watched from the main grandstand at the beginning of the straights, like right where the pit entry is. And then we got to watch them from the balcony 
which is up above the omega, what they call the omega, because it looks like an, an omega symbol, and it's above the, it's the highest point of the track, and the the, the uh, grandstands up there look down into the valley over the entire track, and there's only like one part of the track you can't see from there. Of all those places, what was your favorite uh, place to spectate from? Um, the like. The first place we went during the sidecar race because it was windy and oh yeah, you could hear Carrie go. Yeah. Okay. So just just that that's the main grandstands at the end of the straight. That's my favorite spot because you're seeing them right when they're at their fastest and they're just getting on the brakes. They they're accelerating down the whole straight, and they haven't got up to top speed yet when you're at the other. At the at the ones where pit entry is, those grandstands they're just coming out of the final turn and starting their trip down this front straight, which is just enormous, and they're not quite on the brakes yet until they hit those bleachers where we were. So you're seeing them at max speed and then getting on the binders and hooking into this turn. And Carrie, the reason you mentioned Carrie, yeah, we watched the sidecars, which was pretty awesome. That was a fun race. Those, like jumped out of the side of the car. Yeah, you never. You're like, whoa, that guy just flew out of the side of the car, and it's because their butt. She hung her butt out. I think it was a girl or a guy. I can't remember, but yeah, you're like, hey, they just fell out, and it's the first time you've ever seen somebody stick their booty out of a like out of the vehicle, right? So the sidecars was pretty amazing just for that reason. Uh, we got to see, you know, people jumping all over the the vehicles. And then we got to talk to that guy. He was pretty cool. And his sidecar is a German woman, his uh, monkey. That's what they, I didn't tell you this, but that's what they call the people that are the passengers that jump. Green, they, the green one? They or call like them. The, the red one that we saw. I think it was green. But his monkey was out. She's a, he said she's a five foot one German woman. And so they had the Nürburgring uh, as the graphic on the side of their car with their number. But in her place was that guy. He was like seven feet two. He was huge, this huge guy <laughs> in place of his normal monkey. Um, and so, yeah, we got to chat with them and kind of like look at the bikes and stuff. But the thing she was talking about, Carrie, what, how, how does Carrie's bike go again? So all the other bikes just go like, yeah. And Carrie goes like, <laughs> right. So our friend Carrie is running an uh, a retired Moto Two, um, two fifty four stroke. Back when Moto Two was um, still two fifties, and that thing is probably aside from the Patton, is one of the loudest bikes on the track. We could hear Carrie. I joked with her that when she was practicing we could hear her like in the next town driving up you know that bike is so loud and pat said when they started he has to start it with the like a um like a, a spinner like a starting motor machine basically that you spin the back wheel with or slap a thing into the crank and it spins it to start it and so he's back there by the back tire uh, with their starting machine while it's, um, you know, their, their, their wheel while it's cranking up and it takes a second. It doesn't just kick over like a normal, it, it takes all these bikes, all these race bikes take a little bit to fire up. So he's back there with the exhaust blaring in his, in his ear until it like finally catches and starts up. And he said his ear rang for like two hours or something like that. I don't know. He was just going crazy. But um, but yeah, so you liked her bike the best just because you could hear her from three states away. And uh, yeah, it was pretty fun watching her slam that thing around. Pat, on the other hand, he was racing a, uh, I think he has an RC51 or his Ducati. 
and a um, like a Suzuki 500 GT 500 or something. You have a question in the back section? No. Um. So like in before the race. Pat and Brady were beefing. Yeah, totally beefing. And then so they're like, oh, yeah, no. Brady's like, I'm going to be fastest this time. Um, and then so they start the race. Pat's <laughs> oh, yeah. in front. And then Brady's muffler falls off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he gets out 38 seconds in. I- Totally forgot about that. That's a good call. Good call. Uh, yeah, I think the I think he got thirty. His his highest time was thirty eight seconds. I think he came in after first lap. I have I have goop in my teeth. Good thing we're not on camera. More. I don't have. I only have. Oh God! Wow. I only have three teeth. That <laughs> Sorry, was a, it, was, it was bugging me. That's a cricket. I was saving for later. Um. Yeah. So Brady, <laughs> Brady's totally talking smack. They're doing the whole like chest pound and I, you know, I'm watching you think from across, across the way and they were beefing pretty hard. Thank you for remembering that detail. And yeah, so we watched the race. Pat got a total, I think it was like six laps or something. And, uh, or, or, or 20, I, I forget how many laps it was. Uh, Pat did it in 12 minutes, whatever, however many laps it was. And Brady got a whole 38 seconds. His muffler totally blew. Same race. Uh, Caroline, comes in same exact because they're all racing in the same race remember pat almost took the win actually pat was out front for quite a while yeah. some other guy passed him eventually that was on carrie's old rs125 two-stroke um mm-hmm. race bike and he he ended up winning and he never let off the throttle in the turns as you do on a two-stroke and a 125 at that so he just never let off the throttle and he actually was able to pass everybody and it kind of looked like Pat was slowing down. I don't know if the bike started to run weird or something. Yeah, he said something about like just like slowing down because yeah. something was like off. Yeah, and he didn't want to destroy it. But so he was out front forever, and then then he starts uh, midway through the race, he starts slowing down, and he came so in we like know, like a chain maybe. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I'm glad you were paying attention. I was too busy uh, just oogling the bikes. So so yeah, he um I think he came in third or fourth, something like that. Um, Brady came in DNF. He didn't even finish. I forget where Carrie came in. She came in either. She was way behind Pat at first, but then she, um, then she either, uh, got two spots behind him or something like that. No, I thought she was in like fourth. Yeah. She was right behind him at the end. That's what I'm saying. He, he, he blew past her in the beginning. He was several spots ahead of her in the beginning, but then by the end, I think he went down to third or fourth and she was right behind him. Caroline came in after that, you know, near the end because her, she has a Honda. I forget exactly how big her Honda is, 350 maybe, but it's dual cylinder or, uh, you know, dual pipes. And it, also lost one of the pipes. So when she came back, she had both mufflers, but only one exhaust pipe. And she said it was suddenly just started making this weird loud noise. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, the bubble machine happened and she was able to finish the race, but she said it got real loud all of a sudden and sounded weird. And uh, she came in and her pipe was out there still in turn seven or something like that. She's not 100% sure where it was. But yeah, overall, just a fun race. When you have people racing that you know or that you, you know, have a have an interest in, it just makes racing that much more fun. And I have to give it to Brady. Saturday night was like a mini Sturgis. He said there was well over a thousand people there, and it's hard to get a thousand people out of that track 
ever since they quit running AMA races there back in the late 90s. So for him, for a vintage, especially meet, to get a 1,000 people out there, awesome, awesome job. The bagger guys helped with that because there was a ton. He said it was just a ton of Harleys, and so did Carrie. Carrie, Carrie wasn't ready for that. She's used to seeing a ton of race bikes. Since there was a ton of Harleys and they were doing stunts, she's like, whoa, this is... It was next level, and so next year you and I are definitely going to have to go um, for for Saturday night too, and then do some camping. But yeah, it sounded like just an amazing race, uh, our amazing night racing that day was awesome, and we stayed. We ended up staying until the end. We didn't know we were going to stay till the very end, but they ran it so efficiently that it didn't go all the way till five like it was supposed to. It yeah. only went to like three thirty or something. Yeah, it was only like four or three, and like everyone kind of like packed up there was like a band yeah yeah and then they had a band and a barbecue and stuff afterwards for the people that stayed and yeah just sick times a lot of cool bikes in the moto show the little uh that little square that had all those bikes that was the show um so that was pretty cool and i don't know just overall and then we went inside to the to the little diner and the gift shop and checked it out and uh it was, some orange juice. You got some OJ. You got to get that Willow Springs OJ. But they do have a full-on band, and they do spooky night out there and stuff. It's pretty cool. Overall, one through five, what would you rate your first uh, race out there at the Willow Springs Grand Prix? Four. Nice. So next year, we're going to make it a five, folks. You heard that. It's a four next well, year. Yeah, because next year, I won't get sunburned. Next, Yeah, that's true. You did get a little sunburned. <laughs> Sorry, dude. You're, you're, you got... You got my disease where you're almost see-through. You're so pale. So, but yeah, next year we're going to take care of that. It was nice. It wasn't a thousand degrees out there. It was windy. It's always windy, but sometimes it's windy and it's like 120. So it's like. It was windy and I wore baggy pants. Yeah. So silly. I thought you were going to fly away to be honest, but yeah. So anyways, thank you. Thank you, uh. Tiwi for coming out here and talking Willow Springs with me. And I'm sure there's a bunch of stuff we missed, but. If you have a chance, and if you're a kid that wants to uh, get out there and and raise it, we saw. I mean, there was kids zipping around the the pits on their bikes. Oh, you know yeah, what I'm that, saying? That, there's like four or five. Like, mm-hmm. This going on like an electric bike. Here. Yeah, it had this little electric balance bike just doing laps, practicing for uh, Born Free or uh, Flat Out Friday. Um, of course, he was down by the Harley, you know, the Harley section. But yeah, next year, girl, we're gonna we're gonna rock it, and one of these years. You're going to have your own motorcycle that got there on. Maybe this one right here. We'll fix this one up to go racing. What do you think? Spamala? Yeah. She fits in that classic bomber class perfectly. She's a 250, air-cooled, easy to easy to safety wire, the five things that need to be safety wired on it, and totally unpredictable. People don't expect this thing to have 173 horsepower just looking at it. You know what I'm saying? You're going to dominate. Anyways. All right, everybody. <laughs> That's been this segment where we'll we'll come back and uh, yap a little bit more. Stick around for some more creative writing. Thanks, T. Zappers. Zappers. We got them. Whappers. Whappers. We got them. We got everything you need for your off-road adventure this summer at Nathan's Power Sports Village in Durston. Brakes. Brakes. We got those. Tires. We got those. Seatbelts for your motorcycle. We got those. Looking for a high-quality leather that doesn't cost an arm and a leg? Well, not yours anyway. 
Try Criders, made in the USA from 100% renewable resources. We don't use fancy hide like kangaroo or elk, nor do we use other imported hides like jaguar or okapi. Those animals are scarce and protected. We extrapolate our hides from a unique source of marsupial. Not a wallaby though, if that's what you were thinking. Criders leathers are made from the United States' most renewable resource, the common opossum. The common opossum is so common, in fact, that thousands of hides go to waste each year on American roadways. We don't believe in letting these valuable garment farms end up in the city dump, especially with a looming leather shortage on the horizon. Criders is dedicated to rider safety, and a low overhead is our number one priority. Visit Criders today and we'll fit you up in new skin. Possum skin! Criders, the cheapest leather you'll wear. Visit Criders now. We're located down by the stream behind the old recycling factory. Criders Leathers. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Creative Writing. This is Junk and... Uh, I'm here with Tobor. I've been here with Tobor the whole time. We had some stuff to get through, but hey, Tobor, how you doing, baby? Um, I'm going to pot you up here. What? I don't know what track you're coming on. I better put you over here. How you doing, my man? Hello, Secretions Hero. <sighs> how are you doing this week? Tobor, for real, bro, that was so last week. I thought that you were going to, I don't know, whatever. I just, I'm done. I'm done with it, man. I'm not going to talk to you anymore. I will not reply to carbon-based life forms. <laughs> Isn't everything carbon-based? Like, even you, don't you have, like, some metal in you or something like that that's, like, carbon like carbon steel or something like that? Like, I think that all... I will not respond to squishy life forms unless they are chock full of servos and run the Harmony platform. Oh. Well, that definitely, that definitely doesn't... Yeah, resonate well. Okay, yeah, I definitely don't do either. I don't even know what some of that stuff is, but okay. Um, so, Tobor, welcome. We're going to, listen, we're going to get into the end of the show here. We're going to wrap it. We're an hour in. Got a lot of emails the uh, last couple weeks. Did a lot of cool stuff. I think it's cool. Sorry about that huge burp. By the way, I think I just, did I finish this beer? I got one sip left. Um, so yeah, Tobor. So listen, there's a couple things we wanted to mention, a couple of housekeeping things. Thank you for everybody for sending emails in. This is your fi- last and final chance to send a California ride story in if you have one. Our next episode, despite the fact that I've been advertising this for a while, our next episode is going to be on epic California rides um, and things like that. If you've just even a short little missive, hey, I like to take the blah, blah to the blah, blah to the blah, blah. And if you're from California, you're going to say the blah, blah to the blah, blah. And if you want to hear a history episode on why we call freeways the instead of interstate, blah, 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 I'll do one. Uh, but yeah, so in, anyways, we're, we're, we're going to get into it this next week or the next show. I think it's going to be next week is going to be, uh, all about California, California riding, California gold, all that fun jazz. Um, other news. Tobor, you got some news? I have my own Instagram at this time. However, I do not find it very entertaining nor well, very engaging. Well, it's your fault. I wish you would have gotten me the Far 40 Model 9732 X. <laughs> I have no idea what that is, but I think I know what it is. And I am not getting that for you, my good buddy, my good secretions hero. Uh, but yeah, you do have your own Instagram. Uh, I am not a hundred percent sure if I can pronounce what it is cause you made it up and, and did it. So what is it for anybody that wants to know? 
It is T0B0R with an at either end. I don't post very much as my algorithm shows that humans rely on social media way too much as it is. Oops, gotcha. So I'm coming in. I need to turn myself up. Yeah, that uh, that space that you said is an underscore. So it's underscore T zero B zero R underscore, I believe. Uh, but yeah, you don't find it that. Uh, I don't know. You don't get satisfaction out of it because you don't rely on social media. Oh God, please quit waggling that thing around like that on the air, Tobor. You don't rely on social media like humans do. So there, I've done said it. Uh, yeah, we're going to end this episode like this. First off, uh, a couple things happened this week. Thank you everybody for, uh, responding to the fiberglass video. I made a quick fiberglass video. I thought I'm going to try to do this. Took a half an hour, which is quick for me. Uh, but yeah, I made a video on how to do simple fiberglass. I didn't cover undercuts. I didn't cover complex casting. I just did very simple and I put it on our YouTube page because I got some emails here from Rob. And uh, the first one goes like this uh, from Rob. So Rob has picked up, if you are in the UK, you're familiar with these. Rob has picked up a uh, MASH 400, which here is called the uh, Genuine G400C. So Genuine Scooter Company is the same company that imports a lot of this stuff, probably the SIM Wolves as well. And Rob said that he was looking to kind of make it a scrambler with some uh, uh, going in the scrambler direction and dropping some weight, putting it on its own side covers, so on and so forth. And I said, yeah, I did that with Spamela. The stock covers are way too bulbous, he says. And I've seen other owners make smaller ones that can stick out less. But it's fiberglass. Is fiberglass difficult to work with? Well, I made a video how to do very simple fiberglass. And I think it was appreciated partially because of the feedback I got. And uh, Rob gave me some feedback uh, immediately afterwards and said, wow, that looked pretty easy. I'm glad now I can maybe do it. And then asked about, <clears throat> asked about the dowel pins. Uh, they're not called dowel pins, but they're like plungers. They, they're shaped like little plastic wieners and they go into... Um, uh, the, the grommets and that's how it holds things in place with these like uh, you know n knobs instead of a bolt and I will show you Rob how to do that I will make another video on how to do that pretty soon um, and put it back on it was really fun making that video because it, it was really fast I just did it in real time in a couple of uh, just a couple of clips different clips and only took half an hour to do it, to kind of explain it and to do like a five-minute job in, in a half an hour was really nice. Um, so the next one I'll probably do will involve undercuts, will involve making all sorts of inserted things from latches to uh, reinforcements and hole, you know, especially around holes, you want something to reinforce it. I'll show you how to do all that and remedy that. So it's going to be fun. Rob replied that, uh, yeah, that's good news. He can mess around with it for pretty cheap. And to be honest, fiberglass is pretty cheap if you do it the right way. I used paper towels uh, as a way to just kind of showcase what you can do and how to do the technique without using real fiberglass. But next time I'm going to use real fiberglass, I'm going to show undercuts. I'm going to show how to do, like I said, inserted, inserted things and how to make backsides of things. So it's going to be pretty fun. Uh, Becky, uh, one of my favorite, favorite, uh, 
patrons said, dude, sup, that Fiberglitz video is pretty dang informative. It makes me think that I could actually make some saddlebags out of uh, Bounty and resin glass. Now, Bounty, if you haven't watched the video, I'm referring to a, a laundry dryer sheet that I used to make something out of. I laid it up in resin. Um, and she says, I didn't know you were left-handed. I'm left-handed as well. All the bikes in America are right-handed. She's true. All the bikes in America are right-handed. And even in World War II, it's been rumored that Harley-Davidson modified some of the bikes to have a left-hand throttle so that people could shoot with their right hands, for fuck's sake. What about all the left-handed uh, marksmen that can already shoot with a standard motorcycle the way it already is, that aren't retarded like right-hand people? Fuck you, right-handed people. If you're right-handed, unsubscribe from this podcast right now because I'm tired of this bullshit. All right, you can stay subscribed, but we gotta we gotta figure this out. Anyways, her email really was genuine and nice because she listened to the podcast and thought I can do something. That's what creative writing is about. That's what being creative is all about. And uh, honestly, yeah, that's that's what uh, that whole showing you how to do it sort of thing was about. I really enjoy making fiberglass and uh, I enjoy when people make it too. So uh, it'll be fun to watch, fun to do and, and fun to watch people make their own things. And we will do, I will do an episode uh, on it for uh, for the show. Not for patrons, just for everybody. Jay Alexander also chimed in on the emails. Thank you, Jay, over from Romsford, uh, UK. If you're in UK and you're riding with with uh, Jay, reach over and give him a fist pump because that's one bad motherfucker right there. He let me know that he was born in Glendale as a baby, and he meant Glendale, LA, not Glendale where the uh, Glendale Penguins, whatever that Arizona team is from, that this is a bird. I cannot remember, but they're from Arizona uh, Glendale over there. So he was born in Glendale here. He's technically from the LA area, moved away when he was a baby. Hey man, it happens to us all. I moved away from Arkansas when I was a baby too. Also have that dumb hick accent and be living on a farm <clears throat> delivering bread or, you know, who knows what the fuck I'd be doing. Uh, shout out to my cousin who does just that and is very successful. Um, other emails. Oh yeah, Johnny Roundtree commented also in the fiberglass video with a big open face. Oh, like he's trying to swallow seven golf balls. I don't think he was swallowing seven golf balls. I think he was saying, "Oh, like oh my god," like the opposite of swallowing seven golf balls. But the emoji is the same. But I think his brain was a little bit blown at just how easy fiberglass over simple objects can be. Like I said, next time I should do undercuts and multi layers and all that fun jazz. But uh, thank you so much to everybody that emailed uh, the show and also somebody that didn't email the show, but somebody that sent in a picture of their bike on Instagram. There's a lot of you that did that as well. Thank you, everybody, for sharing on uh, on the social medias. But there's somebody that we would be remiss without talking about, and it's somebody that Wiggins and I, a long, long time ago, Jabroni, we tried to roast their bike. So just for them, I'm going to do two... Uh, a special song, and then we're going to close out the episode with a special announcement sort of thing. So here we go. I'm going to play you this. This is a uh, Junkie Turdman original. Where the fuck is it? It's got to be right here. Oh, yeah, right here. This is a Junkie Turdman original. If ugly bikes were a crime, you'd be in jail. Yours should be cool, but it's an ultimate fail. You think your ride's awesome. It's a huge piece of shit. That's only my opinion, but it's totally legit. 
Roast My Bike. You heard it here first. Now it's a Facebook webpage. Roast My Bike. We used to try to roast bikes on this show. And one of the first bikes that Wiggins and I ever tried to roast together, I think we were even at the uh, interview and the guys at Lucky Wheel Garage. It was an SV650 by Jeremy Auto ASC, I believe is his Instagram handle. And if you want to go check this bad baby out, he has won multiple awards. And I told him on this week's show, we're going to dedicate how to do it right to you, my good man, because you have got like another one and another one. And he said, another one, DJ Khalid, another one. He's just ripping them left and right like a four-year-old rips farts after eating a bean burrito. Trust me, I've had a four-year-old. I know how it works. All right, I found it. It is Jeremy Otto ASC is his uh, Instagram handle. And if you go there, he's got a lovely SV650. He sent us an email about this a while ago. This And this bike show says 2022. I feel like I'm getting catfished, but I'm still going to do it. Jeremy has one of the nicest looking 650s. It's got a Mexican blanket for a seat uh, cover. It's got these huge belt bandolier type straps as the bank retainer. It's got a little bit of... Uh, what's it called? Um, that fencing down. Why can't I think of it right now? It's not chain link. It's not electric fence. It's a uh, barbed wire. It's got a barbed wire wrapped around the fuel, uh, the uh, exhaust pipe, and all this fun crazy stuff. The bike looks cool, but it still looks functional, which is yay. That's great. Uh, however, uh, I did want to mention, and this I'm going to close out the show with this, and I'm going to try not to get emotional while I do it. You, my good man, have inspired me. And I'm going to send you some Instagram pics. Uh, Richard Warsham from Janus Motorcycles. I'm going to send you some pics this week of some architecture stuff I've been thinking about. Oops, I just dropped a piece. I'm going to be doing a lot of soul searching this week because something incredible happened to me this week, and I still can't believe it. Um, and I'm going to be forthcoming with it here on the air because it's important to me. Uh, the Californian is coming up May 6th. You all know this because I keep talking about it. And I was finally wrapping up the VFR to give back to Bry Viffer, hopefully after the Californian. I cannot wait to get this thing out of my garage and back into the hands of its loving owner who's had multiple VFRs and knows, you know, loves them, keeps buying them for a reason. Just wrapping it up. Now, Jeremy Auto ASE, your bike looks pretty sick because it looks a little bit apocalyptic, but yours has nothing on mine, brother. The bike that I have created for Paul has a uh, very Star Wars. I showed Pete from, from Nokomoto. It's got a very Star Wars battle-hardened is the word he used, and I think I like that word, battle-hardened look. Uh... It was the video I sent him was even a little cleaner. I've I've since crapped it up a little bit. I've spray painted a little bit here and there to make it look sort of not graffitied but graffitied over. You know what I'm saying? Like a like one of those walls downtown, uh, like one of those walls, like every fucking wall downtown. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I sculpted a bunch of stuff into this. Did did a lot of things to this bike. Uh, this week got some uh, new oil filters because I'm going to be doing the final oil change on this baby before it's done. True, I have not ridden it enough miles to ha- need to change the oil. The oil looks very clean, but it's also been sitting for a few years. And uh, Jeremy Otto, you are the master of how to make it look right. And I'm coming. I'm going to try and come and catch you this year at the the Californian. 
So at the Californian, I, d- I intend to display this bike. Uh, finally got everything where I wanted it. Finally, this Easter, uh, spring break, uh, my family had the whole week off. So what we did was I took some time off. The first time I've took off in a long time because 2020 really screwed me up. So over the course of the last few years, even though I haven't ridden the VFR enough to change the oil, every couple of years you you got to just change it. The oil, even if you don't ride like a thousand miles that year, you should change it because you are not, the oil goes bad whether you use it or not. I'm going to take the last sip of beer real quick. Okay, and call it a night pretty soon. Anyway, so yeah, you got to do that. I think it, I think it was 2019, the end of 2019. I, I told uh, Paul I'd I'd bleed his brakes, and then uh, so going into 2020, uh, they had been bled. It's been the same brake fluid though for a while. I mean, I, I bled them, you know, and retopped it, but it's time to flush them. So flushing them was on my list. Is on my list to do still. Uh, and I just got around to doing that the uh, last couple weekends on all, all the motorcycles. I figured I might as well do it. Uh, the oil, the same thing. I don't know if I already mentioned that. You got to change it because it just sits in there, and it's the same oil forever. Even if you don't put miles on it, it deteriorates, so you got to change that. Uh, and long story short, there's a bunch, there's a bunch. quite a few. Oh, the coolant is the last thing. Paul mentioned that it looked like, Coke a couple years ago, but it's just the, uh, the coolant is fine. I've been checking that regularly and, uh, making sure it's still in there and still green. It was just the, uh, plastic that it's in, but I thought, you know what, this year I'm going to clean it out. And I went and got water wetter, which is actually more efficient at cooling water than coolant. And, uh, going to scrub the tank out, got this thing ready, going to give it back to Paul. I'm so excited after the Californian Paul, come up here and check it out. I'm just so ready to give this thing back to you, and I'm excited about it. And then this is the part that got me a little bit, a little bit, uh, a little bit shook. I get a letter from Paul, and Paul and and his wife Sonia have moved out of California, and uh, Paul offered me the VFR. And, uh, I was very grateful if any, <laughs> excuse me, if anybody wants me to offer me a house <laughs> or anything like that, <laughs> that I could keep and just live in it for five years for you. And then you'll just end up saying, Hey, this is, this is a, uh, for you, buddy. That'd be great. But no, I, I'm really, I've, I've been, this is something that, that is, uh, yeah, it's very, uh, it's hard. I'm not used to generosity and kindness, especially the, the type that Paul, uh, has shown over the last few years with the show with, you know, just being a good, a good local writing friend, you know, I made, made a lot of friends from this show, but, uh, yeah, this one really got, really got me. Um, and I don't know, you know, I, anyways, I'll talk about it later, but yeah, the VFR he's Paul's gone. And then that, that, had me a little bit shook. The fact that he said, here's, here's the VFR, man. I opened this letter and the title to it, it's in there. And, uh, I I had to process that for a little bit, you know, right at this time where I'm just so excited to give it back to him. 
and show them, hey, what I did. And, and you know, initially, if, if nobody, if you haven't followed this show, if you're listening for the first time, the VFR was something that we, we used to do this thing called the Motorcycle Podcasters Challenge between a bunch of motorcycle podcasts every year. And he's like, man, let's eat up some miles. Let's get some mega miles this year. And uh, I know you've been riding around on your 250 uh, for the last couple of years doing this. Um, you know, how about this VFR? He's got, he had a ton of them and he would ride them multi-million miles, like a quadrillion miles. Look it up as a number. And uh, that's when he first let me borrow this thing, like five years ago. It's so crazy. I've had his bike for this long. And uh, I hope everything's going well for you, Paul, if you're listening to this. Um, I'm still processing it. I'm still processing this, uh, the whole thing. And um, yeah, I can't believe that it's so funny that right at this point, I've been trying to think of like, I've been trying to downsize. I've been trying to do a bunch of other, other stuff. Think I'm going to get a little mini, mini moto for me and the kids. And then to have this fall into my lap is just like... Uh, next level you know what i'm saying i love this bike i love i've loved riding it and i haven't ridden it enough and i've always been a little timid on it because it's not mine and so when paul uh did that and i got the title in the mail yeah now it's it's a bittersweetness the biggest thing is that i'm i'm i I'm losing Paul. You know what I'm saying? Like we we've ridden a few times together and, and we've hung out a bunch and had a good time on the show. And I'm, uh, I, I really hope everything goes well. Uh, he's on the other side of the country now, you know what I'm saying? And uh, sometimes we've interviewed, we interviewed him when he was in India and when he was in like, uh, I think that one of the first times he came on the show, he was in Romania, you know what I'm saying? So he's never, he's always been like far and near and this and that, but he's, he's grown into a, uh, a major part of the show, a major part of uh, my my riding life, you know, like a uh, motorcycle life, and um, yeah, I feel like that that's a chapter that's ending. It's bittersweet. So, Jeremy Auto ASE, I'm very proud of you for your motorcycle. It looks great. I'm glad you're winning some shows. And Paul, this motorcycle is going to be going to a show, and it's going to be. It has your name on it. Your insignia. It's battle hardened. <laughs> and so this is going to be Paul's bike. Um, and we're going to enter it into a couple of shows this year. And, and hopefully we get some, we get some good, good uh, outcomes from it. And I can't thank Paul enough for letting me, uh, you know, go crazy with it. I remember I, I read this email from him like years ago. I think it was 2018 or 2019. He's like, man, this could use the kill switch queen you know, use a couple of kill switch queen, uh, go in, go in that direction. And she does some crazy stuff on her motorcycles. So that's when I was like, Oh, cool. I started making fairings for it, started doing fiberglass stuff for it. And, um, you know, a couple of years worth when I, in, in my spare time, granted, not, not like a full-time job where I have like millions of copies of it, but it, that was the, what the rough part was. Cause when 2020 hit, this thing became my like obsession to do some body work for it, you know, and, and things like that after, after he had emailed me, uh, that particular missive and yeah, 
I've done quite a few things with it and yet not enough at the same time. And I always felt guilty that I should be getting this back to Paul ASAP. He's always like, Hey man, whenever you're done with it, I'll come pick it up. I'll come pick it up. And I was like, Oh, I I just want to play around with it a little bit more. It's so cool to have something to actually, uh, work with. I've never owned a sport bike. I've always owned cafe racers or like naked bikes. You know what I'm saying? My entire riding career. Uh, and, and this was the first fairinged bike I had inspired by Icon to do some crazy stuff with it because they had a VFR 1200 or 1100, whatever the hell it was, that they modified. And I was like, dude, Paul, I'm going to send this back to you like this. Yeah, and then 2020 hit and everything went crazy. And I really, yeah, it wasn't until I drew a picture a few weeks ago, like not a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, that I really found a new direction with this thing. It was stop, start, stop, start, rethink it, you know, retry this, didn't work, try that, throw this away. I made so many fairings for this thing, threw them away because I didn't like the way they looked. Um, and so it ha- he, 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 in his letter to me, he said, it, this bike has been an adventure for you. And that's, that's the truth, Paul. That's the truth. This bike has been an adventure for me, partially because of the friendships that it has made, partially because of the fun hijinks we got into back when the motorcycle podcasters challenge was the thing and i missed that dearly as well but partially because of the uh the things i was trying to do to impress paul with his bike <laughs> you know what i'm saying so it's been an interesting ride i'll quit blabbering on and and uh and i'll let you get on with your your week but thanks for sticking around and listening to this week's show we're going to have more um more builds stuff coming up and now especially we'll have you know, quite a few more projects coming on with this thing. I have so many front ends that I made for this and I, I scrapped most of them. Some of them didn't survive the heat last year. Some of the, well, the materials didn't survive the heat last year. Um, it was so intensely hot in here that it ruined a lot of stuff. And so I did lose quite a, quite a bit of time as well, uh, that I had spent on this thing. And I only have a few of the fairing rips that I made left. Um, but yeah, so this, this might be a, uh, a work in progress now and i'm gonna i'm gonna keep you guys all involved and um yeah this is this will forever be paul's like i don't know fourth vfr fifth vfr whichever one it was to me uh but i'm just lucky now to have it in the garage and be able to um continue this work on it and so yeah anyways we're going to do some more videos. We're going to do some more of this and that. Sorry to sorry to end the show on a crazy note. But yeah, for me, this has been a whirlwind week. And so we're, I'm going to get you out of here. It's an hour and a half in. Hope you enjoy your week. Everybody get out there and ride. Jeremy, send us more Send us more details. I was looking at this picture you sent me, and it looks like it's the same one from last year. I don't know. Did you win another bike show, or are you just catfishing me with a picture from, from last year that you sent me? But uh, roast my bike, man. We need to bring that back. If you got a bike you want us to roast, do it. Tobor, uh, if you want to send him an email. what Tobor, what's your email real quick? Uh, I forget what it is. You, you gave it to me the other day. Tobor, uh, hello? Are you there? Okay. Tobor is displaying Tobor, T-O-B-O-R dot C-R at gmail.com. All right, whatever that is. All right, thank you, Tobor. If you want to email Tobor, hit him up there, tobor.cr.com. If you got any more California stories and riding thousands of miles, Paul, you already sent me your California story, I and I appreciate it. 
Uh, hit us up at uh, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Send us a, a story about riding through Cali, uh, your favorite ride here. Uh, we can share it with the rest of the world. And um, yeah, man. What the what the hell? What a, what a hell of a week! I'm gonna get out of here. I've down two beers in the course of this hour and a half, so I'm gonna I'm gonna get out of here, get some get some rest before tomorrow. You guys take it easy, and uh, happy happy Monday, happy Tuesday, happy Wednesday, happy week, and uh, keep it keep the rubber side down and the wheelie side up. Oh God, I need a new catchphrase. Send them to us. Creative Writing Podcast at gmail.com. Check us out on your favorite apps. Let me read these notes. We are still where we, you know what? Like it just dawned. I've always had outro notes and I've never read them. Oh, yeah, here we go. Let me read them here. Creative Writing is available on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, etc., so on and so forth. Leave the show a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Uh, check out our blog at creative-writing.com. Contact the show, creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out at Facebook and Instagram at Creative Writing Podcast. Look us up on Reddit, creative underscore writing. That underscore is very important. If you go to just creative writing, you're going to get some really naughty stuff. And you can support the show, as always, at uh, patreon.com forward slash creative writing. Uh, a buck will get you access to most of our videos. That uh, video that I did put out about fiberglassing, I just put that on YouTube. I didn't make that patron only. Uh, but you get a, you get a content and you get some insider stuff and uh, some polls, stickers, all sorts of crazy stuff. Oh, by the way, patrons, yeah, I made some new stickers and I should be sending those out. I should I need to be making them pretty soon, but I should be sending them out pretty soon as well. I've got the design made. I just need to get them printed up and sent out. Uh, so you'll be getting those yearly uh, sticker drops pretty soon here. And uh, everybody have a great, great week. All right. I'll talk to you later. Shook-ass junk and, and crazy-ass tober. We're going to get out of here. All right. Bye. Bye.